2: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never
1: Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, I have a, a shopping weakness. Okay. It's books. Books. I went on a book bench, tour a couple days ago. I have this thing in my house this this uh you know like thing my dad gave me and it's it's a quote that says when I get a little bit of money I buy books and if I have anything left over I buy clothes and food that's and that's you that does sort of wrap me up which which means I may not be the the typical audience member for this podcast but I understand their their needs and desires all the same because back when old Sex and the City was on the air all the time and ladies was going crazy to have the coolest shoes and the hottest handbags. I mean, if it had been a show about buying a lot of books, I would have understood it a lot better. But I think that, you know, essentially the show painted women as shopaholics. Yes. And then there were the shopaholic books, Confessions of a Shopaholic, Mm -hmm. and the movie that followed that. And so I think that there's a pretty big stereotype out there that women, they love to shop they love to the shop. And
2: right now, I can't get the idea out of my head for kind of a Sex and the City spinoff where Carrie Bradshaw is a well-dressed librarian. Do you think you could latch on that idea a little bit more?
1: I will tell you that when uh in the movie, Sex and the City movie, when she got married in the library, it made my heart skip a beat. Dream wedding? Yeah. Okay. Well, back to shopping.
2: I totally agree with you. I mean, of course, there's a stereotype out there that women are just the shopaholics. Men are just going to stay at home and... And watch their their televisions and work on their Roth IRAs while we're just spend, spend, spend on silly famous. things, yeah, yes. on silly
1: things like makeup, High shoes, heels, things that don't uh, headbands. Think of the Carrie Bradshaw quote: "I will be the old lady who lived in my shoes." Yeah, you know that was the episode where she was having some money troubles and she realized just how much money she'd spent on shoes. She had no assets, but she had a closet full of Manolos. I mean, I can keep going on with the sex in the city quotes. Like, I like my money where I can see it in my closet. Mm -hmm. And so when we were researching this podcast, we actually found a few quotes about how, you know, forget about how many people Carrie Bradshaw had sex with. What she really taught a generation of women is to screw up their money. Yeah. Like, you know, a bad credit history, as Jezebel contributing editor Tracy Egan wrote, is worse than a case of herpes.
2: (laughs) Well put, Tracy Egan. So I think though, let's get to the root of this. Perhaps one of the most annoying stereotypes, gender stereotypes, I would say, of women as shopaholics. Because I don't know if you remember an old an old nickname I tossed out way back when, thrifty nickel. Thrifty nickel, yeah. You're Shop-a- not that stereotype at all. I am not a shopaholic, as evidenced by my wardrobe. <laughs> but kind of to a fault sometimes, I think. So Do I cut def- yourself down, Kristen. Hey Molly, thank you. Thank you. Um, But seriously, I don't I I really don't feel like I fall in line with this, although there are certain times when kind of like you, like I, I do have odd splurges on things. But according to the Gallup poll, February 2010, women are actually doing better with their money than men are, at least in day to day spending. The average self-reported spending among women was $49 a day in January of this year, which was down 25% from December and 14% of January last year. Now, in contrast, men are spending $26 a day more, $75 a day, which is only down $4 from December.
1: So men are spending more money. Men are spending more money. That is a lot of words to say men are spending more money every day. At a time in which, you know, women's salaries are starting to catch up with men. So Mm -hmm. it's not like they just have more money to spend. There are cases in which, you know, women are finally starting to make as much money as men, and they're not spending as much of it. Yeah,
2: and I think we've tossed out the term man session also in in a podcast episode because men are getting laid off far more than women, and more men are on unemployment. So, guys, (laughs) What are you doing out there <laughs> spending all this money? Unless it's for dinners
1: for women. <laughs> Which I'm sure they'll all write in that it was. Yeah. We'll get to the recession in a minute because I think the spending habits in the recession are pretty interesting. Um, but first, let's just go back to the stereotype. And I, I really liked this article that we found from Time magazine called Lay Off Susie Orman. And it's from 2007. And it basically, you know, since there is this stereotype now that women spend all their disposable income on shoes... A lot of financial analysts will take the approach with women with very trivial advice like cut your lattes or don't buy shoes or, you know, things that are kind of demeaning when you think about it. Because here we are, two good examples of women who aren't spending money on shoes. Mm -hmm. So if you are treating all women as this block of people who spend all this money on clothes, then are you really providing them meaningful financial advice?
2: Right. I I, I consider that kind of. Advice insulting. Tell me how to actually save up a little bit of a nest egg because I make my coffee at home, Susie. So just for an idea, though, of why these financial analysts might need to take a different tack is that credit card debt, annual credit card debt for single women in 2004 was $1,900 compared to $2,000 for single men. That's not a huge gap, but it's still not the monumental gap that you might
1: expect. Right. Women are getting a very bad rap because, you know, the financial situation is about the same. Now, let's take clothing. Women do spend a lot of money every year on clothes, $1,000, $1,069 according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Guess how much men spend? Only $246 less than that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, really that's not much. that's not that much. And they're spending more money on things like car ownership, which is $846 more than women. Single women eating out, so yes, those dinners might might play a factor. Right out of alcoholic drinks, $280 more a year in booze. Yeah. Among the guys. But then they can make arguments like, oh, I'm bigger. It
2: takes me more more to get drunk. Or maybe, once again, single men are buying some single women or men drinks.
1: So, again, all this is just to say that women don't need to be singled out for poor spending habits.
2: But I think this also, these statistics from uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics Consumer Expenditure Survey, I think also highlight the different ways that men and women spend money differently. It might not be that women are these... M- maniacal shopaholics that pop culture portrays us as, but we're simply spending our money differently than men. At least according to an article from Bankrate by Jay McDonald, and this kind of goes back to some, a little bit of evolutionary biology, a little bit of finance. It's kind of a combination of my least favorite things in life. Oh,
1: we've got so much to talk about with evolution. Yes. So Molly, why don't you why don't you dive right in? Well, I'm just going to throw out a word at you, Kristen. Nurture. Oh, yes. Because women are nurturers, according to evolutionary biology, then we have to use money to nurture both ourselves and the ones around us. We create a lifestyle with our money.
2: So basically, women are not forward thinkers with their money. They're just thinking of what looks good right now. What is in season? That we need to spend money on now men on the other hand are supposedly trained to provide you know they're the hunters and the gatherers coming back to provide for the women folk and so they view money as something that they need to accumulate for future value
1: right and this according to one article not the bank rate one but a journal but an article that was published in the journal of social evolutionary and cultural psychology all of this can affect our mall shopping styles mm. and knowing that men just need to have money to fix things will totally affect how couples shop together. Let's go back to this idea that women are nurturing and taking care of the young. This is why apparently, according to some, women like to go and browse everything at the mall. Because back in the good old, olden days, they had to go out and browse for berries. And food that was good for the young. And if you bought the wrong thing, your kid was going to die. And so that's why we've got to take so much time to decide which top we're going to buy. Because it's an evolutionary urge coming out to do the right thing. Now, men, on the other hand, when they
2: left their huts, they already knew what kind of animal they wanted to kill and eat that day. So that's why when my dad walks into his store, he likes to say that he sees it, kills it, bags it
1: and takes it home. And that's how men shop. Yeah, apparently according some men, to, some men were drawing huge stereotypes yeah. and going back to evolution. I'm not
2: going to name names,
1: but I have known some men who are bigger shoppers than I. But let's let's go with general stereotypes because we love it. We love it uh, that they're just going back to their hunter gatherer roots. They can't be away too long because that will expose their nest to weakness. Mm-hmm. They do have to bag it and get home and set it up for us. Yes.
2: So, in evolutionary terms, that explains differences between men's and women's shopping styles. Molly, do you buy it all?
1: You know what? I don't consider any discussion fully complete until we've talked about how menstruation affects something. Well, Molly,
2: you are in luck. Thank God. Thanks to an article on the BBC discussing a study from Professor Karen Pine, About how menstruation affects women's shopping habits. Basically, she found that two-thirds of women surveyed uh, reported that in the later stages of their menstrual cycle, a.k.a. the old luteal phase, they went on an impulse
1: shopping trip. Right. So she pulled all these women, and basically, if you were in your luteal phase, these 10 days before your period starts, you were more likely to buy something on impulse, and half of those women who were in that stage said they overspent by more than 25 pounds. Some overspent by more than 250 pounds.
2: And it was also often followed by a feeling of guilt later, but this is all because these fluctuations in hormones will affect parts of our brains linked to emotions and inhibitory control. So you kind of just lose control of yourself and have to go buy things.
1: And because, you know... Periods are tied with fertility. Mm-hmm. And uh, the researcher hazarded a guess that because women... Well, I mean, she was citing other research that at certain times during a menstrual cycle, women are likely to step up their fashion game a little bit.
2: Yeah, specifically when we are ovulating.
1: Right, a process called adornment. So they make this argument that uh, a woman needs to buy herself a little something pretty. A little bit of bling. To attract males to her because... Going back to evolution, we all want to have babies. So now we've come up with two of my least favorite rationales for women's behavior, Kristen. Hormones and evolution. Yes. Um, But like we said, there's really just not that big a difference between men and women.
2: Yeah, because um, men also will tend to do this kind of... uh impulse shopping as well but a lot of times according to bank rate they're not going out and buying a new pair of earrings they're going out and rationalizing the purchase of say a new ipod or a new ps3
1: laptops tv grills so now do you mean the teeth device Kristen, or uh the thing that can make delicious hamburgers Well,
2: Molly, I'm not even going to go into how white you sound by calling a grill a teeth device, but I would hazard a guess at both.
1: Maybe both, you know? Now let's return to recession spending because we mentioned this earlier and we promised we'd return to it, so we shall. You might there was one article in Slate because we, you know, we started off with Carrie Bradshaw and Sex in the City. And it was talking about how when the movie came out, we were in the midst of a recession. And so it was a lot harder for these women to live the Carrie Bradshaw lifestyle that was on display in the film, uh, that they were less likely to see things in the movie and go out and buy them because we were in a recession. It just wasn't affordable anymore. Mm-hmm. But actually, what we found, according to Live Science, was that the recession really hasn't slowed spending because many women, even when they're worried about money and then in the midst of a crisis, still spend or overspend, and women are likely to use depression as a reason to go shopping.
2: Yeah, and this also comes from research by Dr. Pine, who we um, mentioned a minute ago. And yes, she found that 79% of these women she polled in the UK said that they would splurge to cheer themselves up. Now, 25% of them said that they would feel guilty afterward, which isn't too fun, but... Yeah, we definitely use shopping, and I would I would agree with this to some extent. We do use shopping to, to pick ourselves up a little bit.
1: But again, back to the thesis of this podcast, we're not the only one. And now we're going to jump to what I think is a very interesting study. 2006, a U.S. study found that 6% of women shop so much that they're considered compulsive buyers, that they have essentially an addiction to shopping. Guess how many men have the same addiction? 6% women... men. It's equal. Yes, you
2: guys are just as addicted to shopping as we are. You're just buying different things.
1: So let's talk a little bit about these compulsive shoppers that tend to get painted as women, but now we know, in fact, are equally men and women. Compulsive shopping disorder is characterized by an irresistible and senseless urge to buy goods, according to live science.
2: Yeah, and a lot of times it's people who are younger and who have incomes under 50000 who... I have no business doing all the shopping, but the addictive behavior develops a lot like just a drug addiction because you go and buy something and it kicks off your dopamine reward system and you get on a high when you're you know, taking that bag out of the mall and trying on your new stuff or playing a new video game, whatever it is you have. And so it sets off all these opioid receptor sites in the brain and then you kind of have a little bit
1: of crash and you, you want that high again. Mm-hmm. So you got to go back for more. But, you know, it's not just, you know, it's not just a what would be for us like excessive book buying followed by like one thing of guilt. And they made uh, pains to, in one article, say it's not just overspending at Christmas, you know, going over your budget for Christmas presents. This is a repeated cycle of continually spending over your budget and buying things compulsively if you just want, if you need like one pair of shoes and then you buy like seven. Um, and then a big tip off that you've actually got a problem with it is hiding what you buy or the receipts. Yeah, I actually,
2: uh, heard a little tidbit on a radio morning program earlier this week about a girl whose fiance the day before their wedding sat, sat her down to tell her that he was actually $150,000 in debt because he had a problem
1: with shopping. And don't think you're off the hook if you just, you know, have the guilt and take it back because if you still have that repeated cycle of, guilt, addressing the problem, then feeling bad again, so shopping more, it's still a sign of a problem. It just even if you don't have the money problem because you're returning the things, you still have the shopping problem.
2: Yeah, and a lot of times this at some point is going to affect your relationships because you're probably gonna be out of cash. Maybe you're borrowing cash for all these crazy purchases. Or, you know, maybe you are in a relationship with someone and you have to be open and honest about finances and you're dragging their credit scores down with yours.
1: So a good way to know if you have a normal relationship with shopping and you just got to control every now and then, or if you've got a disordered relationship with money, here are a few, um, signs of a problem. Shopping or spending money as a result of feeling angry, depressed, anxious, or lonely repeatedly, not just, you know, every now and then having arguments with others about one's shopping habits, feeling lost without credit cards, buying items on credit rather than with cash, describing a rush or an euphoria that comes with spending, and then feeling guilty, ashamed, or embarrassed after a spending spree and lying about how much money was spent. Also, thinking obsessively about money. And these symptoms come to us courtesy of WebMD.
2: Yeah, and if you think that you have problems, you can go actually to Debtors Anonymous, which is a 12-step program, much like uh, you know Alcoholics Anonymous, for shopping addiction. And a lot of times when people go to credit counselors, they have an average debt of $70,000. 70000
1: so I think it's that's we wanted to bring attention to that problem, but we don't want just women and or men to think they're either more at risk or not at risk for it. It happens to men and women equally. And the next time you give anyone gruff about spending too much time at the mall, know that they are not spending any more money than someone of a different gender.
2: Yeah. Let's bust that stereotype wide open, Molly. Busted. Yeah. Carrie Bradshaw. I just made a fist. You are an outlier. As are me and Molly, probably. (laughs) Everyone's unique.
1: And if you buy a lot of books, I'd love to hear where you stashed them in your house. Um, Are you running out of room, Molly? I used to keep them in kitchen cabinets, and my mom told me I couldn't do that anymore. Oven. Do you bake? I don't bake. And that's a lot. That's another line from the Sex and the City movie. And my mom elbowed me when Carrie Bradshaw said that. Because I think she recognized a little too painfully her own daughter who would not bake and would just use the oven to store books. It's a slippery slope, Molly. Right now, I've got a book closet. It's working pretty well for me. <laughs> I digress. I'm giving out too much personal information. Let's hear what other people think. Yeah, on different to topics.
2: Our email, momstuffhowstuffworks.com. We love to hear what is on your mind. So shoot us an email. And speaking of which, we will share a couple right now. And to kick things off, Molly, I've got one here about Miss America. All right, I've got one here from Melissa, and she says, I was pretty disappointed about the way you portrayed pageants. I participated in a pageant my senior year in high school in large part because of the scholarships it offered. I wanted to go to a great college, and I knew that I needed financial help getting there. The pageant seemed like a good way to get any money. Uh, I wasn't what most people think of as a very typical pageant girl. I also didn't consider myself to be particularly beautiful, but I did the pageant and ended up winning, and to be honest, it was pretty great. had a lot of fun, and my self-confidence was positively affected by winning. Before, I always thought of myself as having to be the smart one, and the pageant showed me that it was okay to be me and to care about how I looked at the same time. Plus, the pageant capitalized on things that I was good at, and I also really enjoyed going to post-pageant events, which included talking to a lot of kids. I thought it was great to show them that I could be smart and attractive. Then when I went to college, and even more when I entered my PhD program, People saw my participation in a pageant as a joke and something to laugh at. While I consider myself to be a feminist, I think the pageant positively affected my identity as a woman and showed me it was okay to be more than a one-dimensional person. I feel like people focus on the negative aspects of pageants and don't focus on the fact that it can raise self-confidence and money. I understand pageants aren't for everyone, and I don't advocate them for really young kids, but I do think that it can be a great option for young women. So, thank you, Melissa.
1: All right, and I'm going to read one from Abby on the Disney Princess podcast, and she writes, I'm a woman in my early 20s who grew up watching mostly the Disney of the 90s, Belle, Ariel, Jasmine, Pocahontas, etc. As I listened to your podcast, I considered whether I've been affected by the princesses, and if so, how? Like you, I concluded that I came out of my Disney-filled youth relatively unscathed in all areas except one, my singing voice. I never needed the fluffy ball gown, nor have I ever compared my parents' social status to those of the Disney princesses. However, call me ridiculous, but I have always felt that if I could only sing like one of them, I would die happy. If I had a nickel for every time I belted out Part of Your World or Colors of the Wind, I'd be one rich lady. This is coming from someone who is back in school for a master's in music education. At the age of 23, I'm now required to take voice lessons for the first time in my life. Though not a single one of the pieces I've been assigned ought to be sung princess style a la Disney nor, I can assure you, will any of the forthcoming pieces, I absolutely cannot escape the urge to attempt it. The truth is I would abandon all that correct breathing, posture, support, etc. to sound like a Disney princess. Though I know I have a perfectly nice singing voice, I've always been absolutely petrified to sing solo in public. It dawned on me as I listen to your podcast, that's not what I do sound like, that's my main inhibitor, but rather, who I don't sound like. So, a very interesting perspective on Disney princesses. Thanks, Zappy. And if you have something to say to us, again, the email address is momstuffathowstuffworks.com. We have a blog that we update during the week. It's called How To Stuff. And it, along with many other articles that we've written and just articles we enjoy, it's all at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics,
2: visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the Reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?